Welcome to James Ames Business with Chartered Management Accountant, James Fairchild. Hello everybody, James Fairchild here. This is my second podcast in barely 24 hours. And the main item I'm going to talk about this evening is the Coronavirus Job Retention Scheme Detailed Guidance, which was released by HMRC over the weekend, and which practitioners have been digesting for the past couple of days. Once I've done that, I'll do a little bit of information about some things that have changed because we're in new tax year. I'm putting this content live straight away and as with all content that myself and others are putting out around the coronavirus pandemic, I give the caveat that things may change further depending on XYZ, things we don't know as of yet. Right, the Coronavirus Job Retention Scheme Detailed Guidance. So the guidance is on the gov.uk website and I do recommend that everybody takes a read of it couple of points that I will go over. So just to make clear, especially to small businesses, that you are expected to maintain your normal payment frequency, uh, whether it be monthly or weekly, unless your employer employees have agreed to vary that. Now, the, the government are intending to put a portal live at some point during this month, during April, and businesses may or may not receive the money from the government, from HMRC, at the end of April. I would plan on the basis that it's going to be in May. So therefore, you, business, you may well need to look at some kind of short-term arrangement on the assumption that you're going to pay salary at the end of April. Uh, unless your employees have agreed otherwise, that will become due whether you've received money from the government from HMRC or not. So please do bear that in mind. The guidance has cleared up that an employee may take another job uh, while they're on furlough leave. Uh, one might think this is a little immoral, although at this point in time at least, we're not really concerned with morality. Of course, if your terms and conditions uh, require them to seek your approval before getting another job, then that would normally take preference, although you might want to speak to somebody to get advice on the employment law side of it. Now, the company's PAYE scheme must have existed, it must have already been set up on the 28th of February, and 
the employee concerned or the worker concerned must have been on the payroll on that date, 28th of February. Uh, people who say they joined your business just before then and they weren't processed in time and obviously people who joined during early March are not, as far as we can see, eligible at all for a furlough payment. As I think I said the last time I talked to you guys about furlough leave, uh, if you are lowering the amount that an employee will receive, you need their agreement for that, uh, either by way of them signing a letter or a form that you produce, or potentially by virtue of there being a clause in their existing employment particulars that gives you the right to vary these things. Now, there is no entitlement to ask for furlough leave. I've been dealing with an issue only this morning uh, from a business where the particular employee is in fact still required to work and they were imploring their managing director to allow them to take furlough leave. They also rang my office and implored me to allow them to take furlough leave and I was very clear that it's not the employee's right to ask for it. This is a tool that's available to management to help them over this uncertain time. Management can either make the decision to continue with employees if there's work available. Management can decide to offer some kind of short-time uh, short working or management can decide to offer a furlough scheme to some or all employees. And we now know, it's now clear that either you can put some people on furlough leave for the full three months or you can put people on furlough leave for a shorter period three weeks but no less than three weeks and then rotate so if you have uh, a workforce of 100 people it might be that you put 33 of them on furlough leave for three weeks and those guys come back to work and different group of people go on furlough leave and come back and then a different group or the same group. Also it doesn't have to be different different members of staff can start and finish their furlough leave at different dates and there can be overlaps or what have you as long as each furloughed worker is away and doing no work for a period of three weeks or more. Now, if you, management, the directors, if you wish to rehire people who were on payroll on the 28th of February, but who departed from the business after that, 
either because you made them redundant or because they'd already tendered notice to resign or you needed to dismiss somebody for whatever reason or you'd done some kind of a layoff procedure before the furlough scheme was announced you can if you the management wish you can bring these people back and you can put them on furlough leave should you do that well it depends and it is your decision if you've got the case where there is perhaps a difficult employee who at the moment has less than two years service but if you bring back on furlough leave their service is going to go over two years you may want to think carefully or at least to take some advice from my HR consultant or similar one thing that has been clarified through this detailed guidance is that if an employee gets non-monetary benefits of which a company car is the main one that 80% payment does not include the non-monetary benefits i.e. you pay somebody the 80% uh, or two and a half thousand limits and the company car is in addition to that Again, do seek advice if that applies to you. Another piece of positive news, I mentioned last time we spoke about this, that there was a grey area regarding a sole director or the final director. Happily, this guidance has clarified that a sole director or a final director can be furloughed uh, during during the furlough period as as with uh, any employee they cannot undertake any work for the business so they can't be dealing with emails telephone calls chasing sales whatever it might be they can however undertake uh, the statutory duties um, which you know for a short period of time I would suggest means things like dealing with companies house paperwork uh, quite probably dealing with HMRC as well although in the event that something happens it will be a decision for HMRC to decide on what they see as the facts whether the person was undertaking work as opposed to just dealing with their statutory duties as I said please do find and read the guidance yourself uh, it's on the gov.uk uh, website and you can search for it incidentally uh, do be very clear when looking for information online that you are on the correct gov.uk web pages and not some phony phishing type site that's designed to look like it a couple of other things uh, today is the first year the, the first day of the new tax year the 2021 as in 2020 slash 2021 tax year 
Uh, a few things have changed. Um, staying with payroll, uh, thresholds and things have changed a little bit. Uh, the personal allowance for income tax stays at 12500 We have new minimum wage rates from the start of this month, the 1st of April. Uh, living wage, which applies to most people over the age of 25, now £8.72. Rate for people 21 to 24, £8.20. People 18 to 20, £6.45. The under 18s, £4.55. And apprentices, £4.15. With an apprentice who is over 19 and in the second subsequent year of a course, though, the apprentice rate does not apply. Again, I did do an earlier podcast around apprentices. Uh, I think most of that, uh, apart from the rate changes, is still current content. In addition to the personal allowance, which, as I say, stays at £12,500, everyone has a capital gains allowance, which has gone up to £12,300. A couple of other changes that have happened from today. Uh, If you have uh, children, then they can have a junior ISA. Well, specifically, they can have two. They can have a a junior cash ISA and a junior stocks and shares ISA. The amount that can go into uh, those ISAs has changed. It's doubled. Uh, So now you can put... £9,000 each year into a child's ISA, and if they do have two, then the 9000 is between them. Again, that's perhaps a topic to cover in a bit more detail in a future episode. Uh, the use of things like junior ISAs as, as a planning tool. From today, there are changes to company car, uh, benefit in kind percentages, uh, most of which decrease. The big headline is that electric cars, uh, if you remember back to my very first podcast on New Year's Day, the threshold, the benefit in kind threshold for fully electric cars is now 0% for a year. Again, uh, if you're sat there and you run a business which is affected, by the current pandemic, obviously new cars will be the last thing on your mind. Um, one final thing to remind you of, uh, IR35, which again was a topic I did uh, a full podcast about uh, a couple of months ago. The changes that were to come in today for IR35, those changes are now de- deferred a year to April 2021. For those of you who are at home with uh, children uh, at the moment, I think I said last time I've put out a couple of maths videos on my business Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash weeklyfd. I did a new one a few days ago and I'll try and do another one during this 
this coming uh, this coming week. In those maths videos, you see my pretty little face, and you see me drawing uh, some shapes, usually badly, but uh, obviously unlike a podcast which is predominantly intended for adults to be able to listen, you know, on their way to work, uh, whether in the car or on public transport or whatever, I've done those maths videos so that either parent can watch them and maybe get some inspiration, or indeed if you're if you're happy with them, please feel very welcome to let the little ones uh, watch themselves. Finally, you will have noticed that this podcast is sounding a little bit better. Uh, there are there's some, uh, some music and so on. I would record my thanks to Mr. Peter Baker, who is a professional voiceover artist from the world of television and so on, for helping me create an identity for my podcast. And Peter will now give you the disclaimer. Goodbye, everybody, and thank you. The contents of this podcast gives general case information which, whilst believed valid at the time of recording, can change and may not be the appropriate decision for your actual circumstances. You are advised to seek specific advice from an accountant, solicitor, financial advisor or other professional as the case may be. The author, creator and the various podcast apps or websites have no liability for any reliance on the content herein. The content is aimed principally at England and may differ for the rest of the British Isles. 